everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and once again, all the way from the wilds of Bavaria in Germany, I have Michael Treetop Voss. Uh, thank you, Mr. Foss, for being on the program again. It's good to see you. Hey, great to see you again. <laughs> Yeah, everything. I would like to see you in person. I know, again, I know. God, it's uh, so Us speaking in a room. Speaking of that, we doping the. So for those who don't know, uh, Treetop and I play in a band together called Doping the Void. It's punk rock with uh, with a trumpet, and and Michael is the trumpet player, of course. We had a tour scheduled for March of 2020 before the world collapsed. Uh, I was in Munich and we were rehearsing for a full week before we were going to do that tour. And we had one show in Munich. And in my opinion, that was the best we've ever played in terms of the tightness and how well we all sort of knew the song and were well rehearsed. We've never been that good before. And then Everything went to shit after that. It was just such a crushing, crushing letdown. How do you, how do you feel about all that? I mean, it was fun to be, I mean, we literally played every day, I think, up, yeah. up through that, that show in Munich, which was the last show that we did, and then I left. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was actually a real bummer. That was a real downer. So, and especially like, like we had to realize that we will not, make it over there because like the travel ban was i i would think it was two days before we had the show so yeah we had the show on a wednesday I, and then the travel ban was going to start on the saturday and i had to move my flight yeah. so i could leave on friday yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so that was um yeah that had that 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 was a sad experience but i mean okay it's like Everyone's experience, but the show would have, like, the tour would have been so amazing, of yeah. course. But yeah, there, there's always the future. We can always, we can always, uh, yes. we can always look to the future. So I want to tell my favorite "Doping the Void" tour story, and then we're going to talk about something else. But my favorite story is, we were in Akron, Ohio. We played a show at Annabelle's, and then typically, Treetop and I don't stay up the latest. We're the old guys in the band, but Jurgen Chris generally like to stay up and drink with whoever's drinking. So we parked the van at the time we were renting a sprinter so we could sleep in the van and we were parked behind the bar and uh, treetop went out, was sleeping in like the passenger thing. I had called the way back so I could lay down on the bench seat. And so I went in the van and then at some point I woke up in the morning and you turned and looked at me and you said, the guys never came back. So <laughs> Chris and Jörg never came back to the van the whole night. This was, and it was like seven in the morning. And uh, just at that moment, there's a huge bang on the side of the van and the door swings open and it's those two guys. And they're just crazy and saying, hey, we saw King Burger, we saw King Burger and just all sorts of crazy stuff. They were clearly still drunk. So... Then we went to a coffee, we walked to a coffee shop and that's when their hangover started. You could see them droop into their coffees as, as we were sitting there drinking. Do you remember that? Yeah. So they, they, they were so into uh, our band uh, corporate identity that their faces 
the take the color of our like <laughs> usually like our branding color. They they really went green <laughs> and like the they, they they that was that was that was crazy. Crazy. And then we went to uh, a grilled cheese place and we sat outside for lunch and they were very hungover. So this was, you know, maybe noon or one. And I remember the waitress coming over and looking at the four of us and she goes, sober, sober, hungover, hungover. I'll bring you two soup and water. What do you guys want? (laughs) It was just amazing. And they were really happy about it because they wouldn't would never been able to have that grilled cheese sandwich. It was like I guess triple cheese. Yeah, it was all these something crazy. special. You yeah. looked it up. You look at looked it up in the internet, and it was amazing. Of yeah, course. It was- it was cool. Uh, that was so. That's what we're we're still missing. We're hoping for those days to to come back again uh, for sure. But that is my favorite memory of all of the touring that we've done, which is quite a quite a bit now. Do you have any other memories that stick out for you? That one in particular, I always laugh about it. Yeah, there was mine is actually a, a, a also a Annabelle story. So. We also were like uh, sleeping in the parking lot behind Annabelle's, and that was—I think that was one tour later. And it was also like a door; the door get like ripped open, and then it was like a twelve crate of beer that the, <laughs> someone like so just to give us like for the road. And so I was also on the uh, this time also on the passenger seat, and the 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 Annabelle barkeeper that like. Did throw a twelve, a twelve beer like case on on my on my stomach. So that was also pretty. like animals always always animal shows were always good. Yeah, they were good. They and they they really did take care of us. Okay, cool. Then let's uh, let's talk about some another aspect of of you and how you're involved in music um definitely a more a serious tenor here so for your day job you you build models um for a manufacturer which is cool but you have a lot of other outside interests you're i think you're you're quite active in various musical things which we'll talk about but um one of the things that you do is I guess we could sum it up by you have a sticker on your trumpet that says this machine kills fascists. So so let's let's start there. Why that sticker and and what does all of that mean to you? So uh, to to be like to be precise on that. So I changed the iconic this machine kills fascists because I'm too nice to put that on my trumpet. I, I changed it to this machine fights Okay. Fascists. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but um, because that's actually more—that's the real thing. Like having the, the 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 this written on the guitar that actually was, in a way, it was true. But like for my trumpet, this is literally literally true, because I use it act actually as an weapon distance weapon against uh, fascist rallies in Munich. Um, and so when I became known, like by name, uh, for the fascists, 
I wanted to put that sticker on to let them know that I'm not afraid. So you're you're um, as as we touched on this last time. You you're not a small guy, right? You're you're tall and large. Um, but I, I've known you for a long time now. You're not a particularly mean or angry person. You know, you're, you're, you're actually a very loving and, and, and happy guy, generally speaking, but you're out there every week protesting against fascists in, in Munich, um, and fighting with your, with your trumpet. Did you ever, did you ever have any concerns for your actual, safety your your actual well-being um i had some risky situations of course i had confrontations with uh uh known um actually and and like um committed um fascist terrorists without police around so there were some like tense situations, um, and of course, like every like as every Antifa person that is known in a way by name, I of course did get threats. That's the standard nowadays. So, but I didn't. They don't know my address, so they know my name and they know my my uh, they know my social media and like um r right now during pandemic times i'm not on the street right even right. though there are like uh there are like these all these like uh COVID deniers on the street and there are still antifa people out there but in in my opinion i don't feel i don't want to do that in this case and before that um, so we actually we 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 did beat the fascists in Munich. We had like this strong movement starting out in 2015, when like the when um, the people from Syria tried to not starve to death and uh, uh, get into the boats to Europe, and then we had like uh, this huge, huge, huge. Uh, fascist movement in, in Munich and it, it took us like four years and uh, we got them just we, we just wore them out so um, and after that it was just the, the occasional that was the time where there was every Monday was was a was a was a rally of that movement plus the standard uh, fascist rallies like when they they uh, they celebrate, of course, uh, Adolf Hitler's birthday, or there was like a um, uh, a guy in Munich. There was a guy who was denying the crimes of the the German military, who burned himself to death, and so they celebrate his death uh, as a memorial every year. So this is the standard, but. Uh, in the, that time from a few or four years, it was like every fucking Monday plus mm -hmm. or the the ninth of November when when they uh, when the uh, when the synagogues and the Jewish businesses were crashed. So they always try to do rallies on that day, and um, so on. Uh, after that four years, it was only like these occasional bigger bigger things. 
So I uh, think it's amazing that your trumpet became an identifiable weapon against these these fascist rallies. How did so what gave you the idea that I'm just going to take my trumpet and I'm going to play it as loud as I can at these ridiculous people? How did you come up with that idea? That was actually not my idea. That was like in the beginning of that movement, they, 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 had, they had like like fascists held like 4,000 people on the street or something like that. And uh, But there was a still, there was a strong, like the Munich civil society was really angry and there were like the counter protests counted like 8,000, 9,000 people. And so at, I think at the third rally, there was... Um, a young journalist journalist came up with the idea to to there's a German proverb that says jemand den den Marschblasen that means like play a march for anyone which means like set someone straight so and they asked for musicians to show up with any acoustic instruments so I went there with many other like a lot of people did bring the horns or uh, drums and I played there and what I realized in this situation was um, that like the music since you know the police is guarding uh, the, the fascist rally because they have of course the right of assembly and they had, uh, they have the permission to do that, and so the police is uh, has to like keep the counter protesters away from the uh, fascists. So, uh, which leads to the situation that like the counter protesters are very frustrated, of course, of course, and the fascists are very satisfied because they are sitting there have the police protection, the police in riot gear facing the counter-protesters because it's left-wingers and Antifa. And um, so this is like the emotional dynamics of this thing. And what I realized is that the fascists got really annoyed because I'm just louder than their speaker system. <laughs> and um, the other thing that I realized that that like the anger of the counter-protest just went away because it's it's like um, if you if you're if you're in a snowball fight and you're actually on the side where not not with the bully and like someone hits the bully straight in the face like everyone everyone is happy on on the not bully side and this is exactly this this effect and since i um i realized both effects i thought okay now this is i can be effective in that way and uh i just went there and it worked every time so even in situations where the police like blocked us so there was a, a huge distance between us and the fascists i was just i was just playing a bit louder so and then they're trying to limit it because like there is a, a decibel limitation for mm -hmm. rallies so they were standing in with a with a measurement device in front of me and were measuring the trumpet so and uh, <laughs> I, I, I held the trumpet a bit 
up, which and you know it's it's a very linear, right? It's, very it's, directional, it's like, right? It's like it's like the it's very it's like a guitar, you know. <laughs> and if I, you know, I'm I'm almost I'm six six foot six, so and if I put the trumpet in, in the sky, um, <laughs> I have all the natural uh, echo of the Munich streets. You know, it's in the streets and it's it's like it's like bah! and um, so and then they said yeah you you should limit yourself to like these 80 dBA and I said yeah okay okay and uh, of course if they're gone then right sometimes sometimes they try to confiscate my trumpet by uh, but I managed like to keep it but if they would confiscate it it would be gone so I stand next to you in our rehearsal room when we practice and I can, I am sometimes still shocked at how loud the trumpet is in the room because we have acoustic drums, we have my amp as loud as I can handle it. The bass amp is even louder than that because Jurg likes to play really loud. And you're just playing a trumpet, not using even a microphone, and it's still louder than everything else in the room. Like the physics there boggle the mind. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, in, in the last podcast, I was talking about the jet engine. Yeah. So that's I have this picture in my head when I'm playing the trumpet. So and having this picture picture in my head like changes the whole um, system. So I really I really became become a jet engine engine to like. Just let them let the sound flow. So the so, and I uh, always try to be like not to be pressure anything. Like just the, use enough force force to control the flow, but not to to like make anything narrow. And what also like I always was into a big sound. So and um, what also my my teacher Bones Patterson told me is like like practice into into a, a shrank, like put the clothes mm-hmm. clothing uh, open it up, mm-hmm. put the trumpet in there, have it muffled, and then practice. So and when I was practicing like crazy, I um, I did that a lot. And try to make the sound look bright, uh, sound bright. Okay. Uh, which uh, then gives this A uh, volume and B like this. Um, you know that from the from my trumpet that it doesn't has a very. If I play loud, it doesn't has a very sweet sound or a classic trumpet sound. It has this this cutting sound. This. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like 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 a guitar with distortion. That's just because like the whole upper resonance. It's 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 on on. It's like 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 a distorted guitar. Yeah. Similar. And I like it like that. There are I saw a, a few times I've written songs uh, for "Doping the Void" specifically uh, with the idea that I want to, a trumpet line that lasts as long as possible, just because I want to, to mess with you. So I tell you, okay, I want this arpeggiated trumpet line, but it should last for 90 seconds. And you're like, yeah, fine, I'll do that. And then you play it the whole thing without seeming to take a breath, even though you're 
it looks like your your whole face is gonna burst explode uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but I, there, do, there doesn't seem to be any way for me to really challenge you because you seem to be able to just be able to do whatever I ask you to do. Yeah, I trick you with that. <laughs> so I, I breathe. Uh, so with these circular lines, I, so there is actually a technique to do that. That's circular breath. Everyone knows it from Jeff Hall, you know, and uh, one would think that a, that a flute is uh, a very very like delicate instrument where you can like easily do like fancy stuff like circular breath but actually like the the power that you need to play a flute is similar to a trumpet okay because a lot of the of the airflow it the airflow goes over the mouthpiece and it's like whistling on a bottle and like a lot of the energy gets lost right. just it just goes into nothing and but i didn't I never mind every time to try to learn this and especially as I told you I'm not that talented because I can't whistle I don't think I will handle that so I just rely on my big body and big lungs never smoke <laughs> and um, play as long as I as one breath holds and and take another breath as fast as I can and I trick you because yeah. in that moment you just do some and you just don't realize that there is a uh, there is like a, a note missing cool cool let's uh let's talk uh, let's shift gears here slightly uh what's the difference between berlin and munich i had only visited in all of my time uh, living in in munich i had only visited berlin once and i've only actually been there twice and berlin has a very very different feel to, to Munich, which is just sort of a more, to me, Munich feels like a more classic European city and Berlin is a little bit grittier and, and darker and grimier. Um, and you're going to LA a lot, or sorry, LA, you're going to Berlin a lot now for the, the Feed LA project. So let's talk about what, Ber what, that, what Berlin means to that project and, and what actually it is. Yeah, like, the difference between Berlin and Munich is like Berlin, in my opinion, Berlin and Hamburg are the only really, really like big cities in Germany. And Berlin has always been special because it was like before the war, it was like the capital. And there was like the whole, before the fascists destroyed everything, there was like the whole culture or the, the, the big thing of the culture that was happening there, uh, like when it comes to nightlife and, and stuff. And during the Cold War, since it was sealed off, it was actually, um, um, I guess most Americans don't know, but in Germany, we had the draft until, I guess, 10 years ago. So you had to serve in the military. And this wasn't... Um, this didn't apply to, to Berlin because you went there and you were in enemy territory. It was in this, in the, in the all around was like Eastern Germany, the, the communist bloc. And so if you were in Berlin, you didn't uh, have to go to the military. So like all the alternative people went to Berlin and this really created this subculture that attracted like 
David Bowie and, 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 and stuff. And that, that's what makes Berlin special and that's what, why I like it. And like with this project, um, I had an old friend of mine, Adam, who I met with the Poets of Rhythm, uh, just moved to Berlin and we stayed in contact like ever since we met in the 90s. And so um, two years ago, he invited me to, to, to contribute to his new compilation. So he uh, takes out compilations uh, where he collaborates with a lot of artists. And so I went there, went there to record. And uh, we were lucky enough that at one recording session in, the, in, in January in 2020, um, he had a show with, with another band that's also on, on his compilations. And he asked me whether I would be open to like do a show with two, uh, two other friends. And this is actually, so this created Fidelay, this band, because it's, it's, it's uh, me and three other guys. So I'm the only one uh, that isn't a multi-instrumentalist, like the others all play drums, bass, guitar, and keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, we, 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 we sorted that out. So like uh, uh, Daniel Reagan plays the drums because he's, just amazing and so we have like defined positions and it worked out so well that we decided yeah we, we should continue that and we did so during the pandemic and what kind of music is it so as so i've certainly heard some of it how would you describe it it feels more i don't know esoteric or not quite jazzy but definitely weirder than than what I had expected, I guess, before I had listened to it for the first time. Yeah, what the thing is actually is that um, we were lucky. It's it's like uh, a lot of it is spontaneous composition. So it's so we all have like similarities in our background. So we all listen to 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 like um, uh, rap. Uh, hip hop and funk, and uh, but also like uh, a lot of like score music and electronic music, punk and and that. And what happens if we are in one room is that we just start playing, and it's then um, at the end of one session we have like. Right now we are mixing for for the upcoming releases, and we have like there is one day. It's like the it was the 30th of April last year. Like from that day, we have six songs that will be released, and I guess it's only one of it is something that is not created spontaneously okay so that that what what he listened to is has has of course like being improvised it has obviously this jazz vibe because there is uh, it's it's there are no it's like it's like free jazz with pop or, or, or I, I sometimes call it free pop because we have all these like pop 
elements, rock elements in our in our minds, and we are definitely we listen to a lot of jazz and avant-garde jazz, of course, like Albert Ayler, Archie Shap, John Coltrane, uh, John Schofield, and so and so and so. But none of us is would be capable to do something like that, and we are far too much into like popular music. So we we blend totally different things. So. Uh, for so we just um, we we just like last week signed with a with a label in Seattle, Wax Thematique, and so um, the guy who runs it, Nathan, uh, came up with a tracklist. We we sent him the stuff that we have, and uh, said, yeah, you 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 curate that tracklist because we know the music is good, but we don't know how to how to get it to the people. So and he surprised us really uh, because, like, when we talked first, I did send him some like outtakes, like tiny snippets where we like before or or someone is at, at the bathroom and the three of us doing stupid shit because there's always creativity going on, and it's always like uh, this this um, somebody plays a thing and it's never that nobody reacts to it it's always it can be as stupid as you imagine but like on the spot at least one of of the other three joins it and then the next one and then uh, a piece of music comes out and so we had like some i said did send him some snippets just to let him know that there will be more in the future and so he had like two things like for from our side outtakes in the tracklist, so we were a bit in shock because we were thinking that's not that's not album material. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just like and there's one thing that is has a very it's just a, 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 a 48 second piece and it's like a very dark wave thing. It's really analog synth, uh, analog synth. And bass, and uh, funky but very sloppy, yeah. heavy drum. And um, so, in, uh, since Nathan is uh, he's 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 not he's not limited to one style at all. So he has like all kinds of music on his. It's a tiny label, so he just had his eighth release out. But he has like he has a, a band that says it's punk funk and then there's the newest releases uh is is music from from the uh, Seychelles uh, music and uh yes like uh, um a dub reggae band on and of course because the guy himself is a is a dj producer they produce electronic music and so um here so he 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 did like collect these pieces and, and collect a track list and that's actually you have a jazz vibe to it always but you also have like um a pop vibe to it because cool. we are really uh, so so we have songs that uh, that sound a bit like um, as as we know we we say it schweinerock yeah. <laughs> and yes. and they have this element to it but then we just 
uh, or as Nathan th said, like Fidelay music for for him is like a curveball. It goes to a, uh, it starts and it goes to a total different direction, and that's actually what makes it for the four of us also like, fucking exciting. Cool. Then, so like, when when can we expect a release? You have any idea? Um, yeah. So right now we are we're so I was for three days in Berlin, like to try to make out of those two outtakes <laughs> something that that we would feel comfortable comfortable to put on the album. So there will be something in the summer, cool. but probably um, probably. I guess the album will take a bit longer because there's one thing is like the the schedule of the uh, vinyl production plans. It's 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 crazy to get the stuff produced, and the other thing is like um, also on wax thematic, like they they put crazy crazy care about everything, like the aesthetics of the of the cover and how the vinyl looks and the mastering and so like we will do a seven inch first in summer cool like, and we have this 12 inch that we produced to find a label mm -hmm. and that worked fine um so this will also be distri distributed to through uh um, Nathan and his distribution uh, distribution channels. Um, then, yeah. Well, that sounds Let's all see. amazing. Really looking forward to to hearing some some fully formed ideas there. Um, I think we're going to leave it there. We still have uh, a lot more to talk about, which is pretty cool. Um, thanks to everyone who's listening. Uh, please tell your friends. Please like, subscribe, and rate the program. That uh, really helps, and it is much appreciated. Thank you to Treetop all the way from Munich, Germany. Well, well, well past his bedtime at this point while we record this. <laughs> thanks a lot, buddy. Um, and certainly hope to see you soon in person, but otherwise be safe, and, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, Sabbath. <laughs>